Hubhopper Originals. We are are born free and equal free to walk and free to talk. Don't discriminate, learn to appreciate. So you don't have to imitate, don't be the one to hate. It's never too late. You got the right to life. Innocent to prove and guilty, you can say what you like. Gotta get the education, don't throw it away. Know your human rights, cause it can help you someday. the Born Free and Equal podcast with United for Human Rights and Hubhopper. I'm your host, Fraser Scott, International Ambassador of United for Human Rights, looking out at a world wearing masks in isolation and being scanned with forehead laser thermometers and looking forward instead to bright smiles, parties, fill-to-capacity cricket matches and laser fireworks bursting across the sky. But Brighter than any laser firework bursting across our sky on today's show is Filmfare and Z-Cine award-winning actress, writer, director, producer, and activist, awarded the Knight of the Order of Arts and Letters by the French government and member of the International Hall of Fame of the International Women's Forum in Washington, D.C., Nandita Da. <laughs> Welcome, Nandita. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you for this glowing introduction. Thank you. I'd also like to welcome South Asia Ambassador for United for Human Rights, an actress who's reached over 70 million people with their human rights, including getting over 50 universities to include human rights in their curriculum, and who was given the Hero Award at the United Nations for that achievement, Gina Chohan. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, Reza, and thank you so much, Nandita, for joining us. My pleasure. Nandita, I have been always inspired by your work, not only because of your highly sensitive acting abilities and the choice of films, but also because of who you are as a woman and Indian. Thank and you. Yeah, and I'm constantly impressed and appreciative of your use of art to express not only yourself, but the thoughts of all of us who care about the billion beautiful people that make up our country. So thank you for being that voice to all our thoughts, so I may say. <laughs> so just to dive in... Um, Let's take a look at the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights. Before I read it, I want to define the word distinction, which means separating things into different groups. So here it goes. Everyone is entitled to all the rights and freedoms set forth in this declaration without distinction of any kind, such as race, color, sex, language, religion, political or other opinion, national or social origin, property, birth or other status. And the Indian constitution, of which Dr. Ambedkar Adalit was the chairman of the drafting committee, states, the state shall not discriminate against any citizen on grounds of religion, race, caste, sex or place of birth. And there shall be equal opportunity for all citizens in matter relating to employment or appointment to any office under the state. Next, untouchability is banned and its practice in any form is forbidden. 
and lastly it shall be the duty of every citizen of india to promote harmony and the spirit of common brotherhood amongst all the people of india not considering religion language location or other differences So Nandita the simple point here mm. is that in India according to our law the caste system is actually not allowed to exist we are all equal and it is each of our duties to promote that equality isn't that interesting <laughs> very interesting and what a god you know epitome of double standards but yeah we i actually our law and our constitution is one of the best in the world there's no question about it we have so much written in that can actually safeguard our rights our uh, you know opportunities the freedom the sense of equality liberty all of that is sort of written in our both in our constitution and our law which has evolved over the years as well with all the amendments and things like that but sadly how do you change mindsets of people how do you change the social construct which is largely patriarchal feudal you know oppressive hierarchical so that of course takes a lot of time i mean even when baba saheb ambedkar who was sort of the leader of writing the constitution even he thought that okay i'm going to put in all these affirmative actions and all these clauses and in 10 years things will be better and then we don't need to have it he didn't say that it was going to be for perpetuity the reason it had to continue was because situation was in finishing and in today's day and age and it's not just india i mean look at the world look at what happened to what's happening in america with black lives matter you know after all these years and even their constitution grants everyone the same equal human rights and equal opportunities but till today if people are discriminated because of the uh, the country of origin or the color of your skin then what can we say so we are no different we are full of hypocrisies and you know farces but i think and mindsets do take time to change but i think we definitely it's time time has come for it to hasten and all of us who are in some way connected to these issues have to i think doubly stretch ourselves to do the best we can right it's an ideal that mm-hmm. is put there for us to work towards and right. It's a bit like selling Tide washing powder or something. The 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 more times you mention it, buy Tide, buy Tide, exactly. buy Tide. Exactly, it's going to be somewhere hopefully yeah, get in. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> so follow the constitution. Follow the constitution. There oh, absolutely. Go. That's why I mean, take every opportunity. I try to do the same. Take every opportunity I can to talk about these things in the hope that maybe there's one person listening and is going to find out more, is going to respond differently. when they face any such situation or they'll think about it a little more because especially the conversation that we are having today about dalits there has been such a natural exclusion from everything that is quote unquote mainstream or everything that is central into whether it's our education whether it's our job opportunities whether it's the social spaces there's been sort of an historical wrong that uh, has happened for so long that most people don't even think about it 
it's about creating awareness and like you said if one person also hears it because that's one of our purposes is to create awareness and be able to get that message across or even be able to educate people because if you don't know your rights how do you stop it from even being violated exactly say. most people don't know their rights i mean many of us don't know all, all the rights that we actually have or if we are violated where do we go what do we do you know i mean also you're talking about a country that is it has a huge uneducated population that is you know very much disfranchised there are people who have no access to any of the social institutions where they want to run away from the law the police everyone who's supposed to safeguard them is seen as also this you know kind of an oppressor so it's a very very complex and a difficult situation for a person to kind of reach out and say okay is this my right and also socially psychologically if you've been oppressed for so long it's it's a whole different thing if you and i say that okay if somebody is unjust to you give it back or fight it or protect yourself maybe some of these things would come more naturally to some of us but there are a whole lot of people who have never had that space to uh, protest or to you know speak up and if you don't have that confidence or that or if you feel like no one's listening anyway you would not speak up and that's becomes that sort of also perpetuates it because you can't always ask the victim the survivor to be fighting all the battles because they've been pushed so low that those of us who are privileged we should be fighting those battles as well so nandita we might have covered some of this already but why did you choose this right well to be honest because you know i I've been engaged with social issues for a long time now. I did my masters in social work and I mean not that a degree makes you better or worse social worker but it definitely exposes you to realities that are not yours. So my father is a painter, mother a writer, so I grew up with a lot of art, a lot of books. You know, we we all live in silos anyway, so in our my little world was was very interesting, got a lot of freedom to talk about things to question things so i i would consider my childhood and my upbringing to be fairly privileged in terms of the experiences i had and the freedom i had to choose what i wanted to etc and also the good thing was my parents even though they were not political quote unquote they were very naturally inclusive they were very naturally secular naturally feminist so without knowing all the isms they they were very very egalitarian and i think that was my first education in some sense because you know what you see around that becomes your normal so in fact my mother used to go to work and my father would cook and clean and i used to think for recreation paints so i had a role reversal so whether it was about gender whether it was about caste religion none of that actually played an important role in my life and uh, so we grew up with that kind of a understanding of humanity of how you engage with people how you choose your friends it was never on the basis of anything how you choose your life partner or uh, you know any interaction no interaction was based on any of these identities which have become so central in our today's world so and then slowly you realize i mean i when i used to travel abroad and people would say is there casteism in your country we hear there's a lot of casteism and i would say Um yes there is but you know I didn't grow up with any caste so I don't even know what my caste is and uh, it really has had no impact on my life and then in the later years I started realizing that the fact it hasn't had an impact on my life itself is such a big privilege 
So I had very shallow understanding of caste politics or casteism in the country because it didn't impact me. So I thought, well, you know, there there are people like us, my friends, I, we don't really care about caste. We would never think about it even for a second. But that's because we are already in a privileged bubble where I barely would have any Dalits in my school or in my workplace or in my friend circle, not out of choice, but purely because the fact that there were none. They never could make it to the schools that I went to or to the colleges that I went to. So there was a natural exclusion that happened for the longest time. And and once I started understanding it more and more, it started deeply disturbing me because I thought, my God, what kind of a world we live in where we are so insulated that we don't even know that such a large population has been shunned and pushed to the wall for no fault of theirs, only because it just so happens that they are born in a particular caste. I mean, in today's day and age, we are still talking about these things itself is so distressing. So I think my own interest in the subject has grown. And then, you know, I always wanted to also do in a film. And then I thought, am I entitled to even do it? Do I know enough? Or would I unknowingly be insensitive to something? You know, would it be patronizing, even though it's not intended? Because we also want to be, we also want to be careful that we don't represent, you know, an experience of people that we may not have an inside information of. And then I started looking around myself. And even in the film industry, it is so, there are hardly any Dalit filmmakers, there are hardly any Dalit, you know, behind camera, in front of the camera, wherever you take it, there is such a small percentage of representation in the film world. And no doubt, there have, therefore, the, there have hardly been any stories about the Dalit struggle or their, you know, amazing people that have come out of that world or what are what are the issues we just don't know and it's very recent that there have there have been some Dalit filmmakers who've told their stories and when you see those films whether of Paranjit in the south or whether it's Nagaraj Manjule's Fandry and you feel that there is something different not that Dalit stories haven't happened in our country there have been and there have been sensitive ones but so few that you can literally count on probably one hand and then these Dalit filmmakers are sort of shedding light and talking about it so much from within of their lived experiences that, you know, it's just, it's just bringing in a whole different conversation, which is much needed. It's very much needed because what you communicate about, you are able to fix. The only way to, to fix something is by communicating about it, finding out what's going wrong so that we know that we have to have these laws. We're, it's obvious we're all equal, whatever, you know, whatever. Many been... are much more equal than some. Our constitution says we are equal. We want to be equal. But the reality yeah. is that we are not equal. And it's better to admit that and then to go from there and say, OK, why aren't we equal? What am I going to teach my child if I'm ta- talking to him about equality and I'm normalizing this inequality and I'm doing nothing about it? You know, how do I face myself? How do I face the new generation, you know, like what what kind of people have we been that we have brought it to this stage? So to answer your question, th- these were some of the reasons why I've, when you asked me what are the various forms of discriminations that I would, would speak most to me, and all of them did. I mean, how do you even compete between issues, right? I mean, you, if you're against discrimination, if you're against 
bigotry and prejudice and you believe in equality, then it has to be across board. It has to be for gender, for, you know, for religion, for age, for uh, sexual preference, what have you. It has to be across board. But I just felt that I myself haven't really spoken as much about Dalit, purely because Dalit issues, purely because I don't feel I know enough. So I'm in the process of learning and reading much more about it and meeting people and, you know, understanding what we have not been taught, what we have not been told and what has been hidden from us for too long. And uh, I just thought this would give me an opportunity to share where I'm coming from and maybe you know, in some way touch upon these issues that hopefully our listeners are also grappling with? Well, they, they definitely are grappling with it. The number one issue, according to our surveys, uh, is caste. Then next was gender. So, and what is it? You've got 200 million Dalits and the situations and the... Ex- Discrimination on the basis of caste and gender, yeah. Right, yeah. right, exactly. That's the, the biggest human rights issue according to our survey. And you're right, uh, it's not that we are all equal. Actually, the human right is we are all born. You yeah, know, we are born, born equal. Right, right. And, and that's, again, it's the ideal. You know, it's not about like your body's being labeled this or... You know, it's we. We are actually and, not and, even born equal in that sense, then, because the yes, minute you are yes. born, you are born in a context, and if that context is such that it has been oppressed, you know, if your parents are being oppressed, you are born into that oppressed structure, that uh, oppressed, uh, you know, whatever category of people, and you have to carry that burden for the rest of your life. So, you know, if, if you ask a Dalit that question that, you know, does casteism matter to you and you ask an upper caste person or, you know, Sheena or me or anybody, and we would say, well, it doesn't matter that much to our lives. We don't make any decisions really based on our caste. Or at least most of us would say, some would say, well, we decide our wedding or we decide certain rituals based on it, etc. But uh, if you ask somebody who's, you know, in that hierarchy of things is at the lower rung, they would say it, I'm reminded every single day of the fact that I belong to this caste, that I'm yes, just not I, good enough. So, you know, you they, they will tell you the real impact of it. And, and that cannot exist without the upper caste uh, supremacy in that sense, where they have been left out of so many things, whether it's schools and places of worship and jobs and, you know, even taking water from a well and, you know, various things, various common day things, they've been left out so much that in in some ways cities may be a little less because you can kind of hide behind a lot of things. There is a sense of anonymity more here than, let's say, in a smaller town or a village, but which is not to say that the cities don't have it. And And it's hidden. It's so hidden in plain sight that even though it's not overt out there and it's not like they look different or they dress differently, they, you know, it's just that they're just there all around us and yet they don't exist. And that is, that is the most disturbing part. Yes, yes, it's totally true. So according to law, we're equal and that's the ideal and it's not the experience. And the 
The fact is, though, that all of us experience the same emotions or pain or joy or, you know, just being alive. It's true. And also, we all do experience life, but some have a greater ability to express those emotions and experience. I mean, the chief writer of the Indian Constitution, Baba Sahib Ambedkar, is an example. What inspires me, Nandita, is that he took his own personal experience of discrimination and turned it on its head for the nation. And it was his hand that wrote the laws banning caste based discrimination and legally outlawing untouchability. Speaking of which, let's quickly look at the part of Indian law, which is the protection of the Civil Rights Act, which says there is a one to six month imprisonment and a hundred to five hundred rupee fine if anyone on the grounds of untouchability prevents someone from A, entering a public place of worship, B, assessing a shop, C, using any utensil in a restaurant, D, doing any job. E, renting a property, F, assessing any public water, public area or public hospital, G, buying any goods or receiving any service, H, observing any religious or social custom. Nandita, just knowing that these laws exist is empowering, of course, but this is on paper. We need to bring it to life. And that's why we're having one of these discussions is how do we really bring this to life? What can be really done? But it's being violated every single day. And that's not, it's not being violated in hidden spaces. It's out there. It's a, it's kind of an unsaid a norm. It's an unsaid fact that you don't say, I don't say this is how it goes on. You think people don't know where they're being stopped to go into certain schools or take water from a certain well or, you know, places of worship or whatever the list that you read out. It's being violated every single second. But, you know, who's, who's opposing it? Nobody wants to, because that kind of mentality is a crossboard. You know, it's in the law system, it's in the police. Who do you go to complain? Even if you know this is a right, who's going to listen to you? So till people don't get empowered, until those who are privileged and those who are underprivileged both don't kind of come together and say, listen, this is ridiculous, at least those of us who want to, I mean, we have to just increase that number. And I'm sure a lot of people don't want it to be like this. I mean, I can't imagine the whole country is, you know, so bigoted or whatever. But they probably don't engage because it's not, it it doesn't impact their lives. They are so, like the workers, you know, the ones who are doing the most menial of work, the human scavengers, you know, all of this, those who take our kachra every day, you know, our trash every day. Do we even take another look, even through this COVID thing, like for a, Everybody was at home. I mean, just to have a home and to be able to be in that home, did we ever realize what a privilege it would be? You know, just that. And that's why it really bugs me when people say, oh, I'm so bored. I'm itching to do this. Bored? I mean, to be bored is a luxury. Did, Did we ever realize that? So my trash man, you know, has come every single day. And first he was now he's not even allowed to enter the gate. So now things we have to put it down and then he takes it from outside and how, and imagine the kind of exposure that he's getting to the COVID-19 as opposed to all of us sitting at home. But who cares about it? So it's it's so ingrained that in, at some level we are all complicit. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was just seeing on my Twitter, somebody had posted and I retweeted it. If you just put in, in your Google search, Dalit killed four. And then the things that come up, it says Dalit killed for entering temple, Dalit killed for riding horse, Dalit killed for having mustache, 
Dalit killed for watching Garba. Garba is a dance, like a folk dance. You know, so I mean, it's just incredible how for all of this, it's not just that there's an exclusion; they're actually being killed for it because a man wanted to have his wedding, like in a lot of in the Hindu tradition or whatever. I don't know if it's a tradition or culture that the bridegroom comes on a horse. And there was one time that a Dalit wanted to sit on a horse. The bridegroom wanted to come, and they said, "You cannot because you're lower caste. You're not allowed to do that." And they, you know, they killed him. I mean, this is how crazy is that? To keep a mustache on your own face—they're not going around sticking mustaches on other people's faces, <laughs> you know. So it is—we uh, have let this happen. My my thing is that we have just never spoken out and. Uh, I hope there is a big Dalit uprising. Sadly, yes. people have to die. I mean, uh, big issues well, there, have to there happen. There is another option, which is Sorry? there is another option, which is that because you asked who do you report it to? Well, you report it to the Human Rights Commission. I mean, that's yeah. That's but how the correct... do people know that, Fraser? You know, right, George right. Floyd had yeah. to be killed for these kind of protests all over America and other parts of the world as well. Because it was, it just comes. There comes a time where you say enough is enough. It's not George Floyd was the first one, and that we didn't know about any such oppressions before. Why does Black Lives Matter? I mean, when are we going to say Dalit lives matter? You right. Know, so well, in, it's happening more in India. When we go and get an auto at the beginning of the quarantine, our drivers were constantly have their hands were beaten, their hands were sore. So basically, what we've looked at is we've looked at these. No, laws but religious. And, uh, sorry to cut you, but th- you know there has still been some uh, because of the religious discrimination and gender discrimination. All of that has still been talked about. I think Dalit discrimination has been talked the least in that sense. There aren't really, there are no huge, big Dalit leaders. There are no great allies that we are forming across caste, etc. So it's also a subject that's not really been talked about as much. So even for a protest to happen, there have never really been huge protests. You know, you don't see even, there are Dalit handles on the social media and all of that, but nothing that really jumps out. And, and it's because you've, disempowered a whole community of people which forms actually it's not a minority it's a large community of people you've just kept them out for so long they're not part of any narrative they're not forget about controlling a narrative they aren't even part of it and the answer nandita is awareness if enough attention was brought to this issue with enough agreement and constant large enough discussion the law would be forced into effect i mean that's why i've enjoyed seeing your campaigns nandita just last week i had um, so many different directors whatsapping me your film <laughs> listen to her about domestic violence yeah. and it was beautiful it was inspiring it was moving and it wasn't so long ago also that you got half of the film industry to start your <laughs> anti-color discrimination music video right. india's got color so you've repeatedly spread awareness against discrimination to hundreds of millions of people nandita but you know it is more to be honest very selfishly because it's you just feel extremely helpless you know when all these things happen all around you you're so overwhelmed and you feel like what can i do so the only thing i can do is to do it through my work through these kind of conversations it also gives you some sense of purpose to be alive because you know otherwise you feel like what's the point of that awareness if you're not going to be able to do anything with it so even this listen to her that you mentioned 
it it's a short film and in films you can seldom be spontaneous because everything just takes so long you write the script and then you you know make many drafts then you collect funds then you shoot it there's a large crew it's it's a longish process it's not a personal art that i just sit and write a poem or a, you know i draw something so for me this was my most spontaneous probably uh, response to anything i read an article in in fact new york times about you know how women are struggling to just do their zoom calls and they are being distracted so much because they are so overburdened with work and uh, also the domestic violence cases were surging i knew that through my friends who are working in the field i just wanted to bring it together so literally i wrote the script one morning next morning i just shot it i was like okay i don't have anything i don't have a camera i don't even have a stand for my phone i'll just find ways and i'll do it so i think sometimes you can do it sometimes you can't but the more we represent the more stories we tell about those who are oppressed and those who want to do something about it i think the more we will bring it to to our collective consciousness these issues and the more we talk about it you know drop by drop i feel some change will happen i mean at least that's our only hope well it is and it, and it is a hope and then when you do it with like a big voice then it it just it's a tap and it drips and it drips and soon enough yes. the bath will be full i believe that i mean that's that's my motivation and you know that's how i wake up every morning to say okay i'm going to do my drop to the best that i can you know and that's what keeps me going Great. So let's continue that good work by looking a little bit at what the law says. Here is a list of actual crimes which if committed by non-scheduled castes or tribe members against a scheduled caste or tribe member will result in 6 months or even 5 years in jail. One acting with intent to cause injury, insult or annoyance, parading him naked, three intentionally insulting or intimidating with intent to humiliate in public. for assaults of force against any scheduled caste or tribe women with intent to dishonor five setting fire to home or place of worship of a scheduled caste member is punishable by life in prison and any crime which usually has a sentence of 10 years if committed because the member is a member of the scheduled caste is punished by life in jail so the law of course really does uh, have severe penalties for caste discrimination but the other thing i just wanted to quickly point out after reading these two days before there was a story i came across about these two women who were paraded naked stripped of their clothes in a village in india and then raped and and killed is this the khilanji so, case or is this another one that you're talking about the kerlanji case in maharashtra a couple of days ago um oh, yeah. recent okay yeah. no there have been exactly. so many such cases this is not new this has become it's in fact occupying smaller and smaller like space even in our media because it's happened so many times you know the first time it's unless somebody actually pursues this case it keeps going from the first page to the fifth to the last page because it becomes almost unimportant and i was in fact on a panel once with uh, a dalit activist and three other people one was an academician and i was there and i was to speak after the dalit activist the, the kind of oppressions and the kind of uh, violence that she talked about you know pulling each hair from a child's head like one hair at a time for coming to school and you know for sitting with non dalit kids from pulling out nails from you know not letting people drink take water from beating them up from raping i mean raping and killing is almost common so it's like it's at some other level we can't even imagine the violation of it's beyond violation of human rights it's 
it's just humanity it's a violation of being human and i couldn't speak i was completely tongue tied after that and i said listen what do i have to offer i have nothing to say if this the only thing i can do is try and find ways to bring this reality to the fore you know to for people to know and for for us to be reminded of so that we do something about it because we can't keep pushing it under the carpet and pretend that we are entering this india is great and we are entering this great country in fact if you love your country you can't be proud emptily you know in the sense you have to be proud of some things and you have to be ashamed of some things and both are equally important if you truly love your country oh very much and it com- it goes against the soul of india the the founder you know the found the fathers of india were co- couldn't have been more against this so yeah country known for non violence and you know a land of right. gandhi and buddha and ambedkar and right. all of that i mean what have we done to it you know no and beyond nationality i think nationality is also a social construct it's about being human we are the only species that actually can think and empathize and be compassionate and calculatively be violent you know dogs can be violent too and so can tigers be and whatever but it's not it's not a conscious choice we can actually take conscious we can make conscious decisions and you know respond consciously so how can we be aware of all of this and yet behave the way we do i mean that's what shocks me it well it's it's because of wrong information basically bad information has been and given to people and the insensitivity and just navel gazing and you know we're just not looking beyond ourselves i mean my problem my family i think all of us has to expand that a little bit and to say that okay if i want a peaceful world can i be peaceful if you know my the society that i live in is not and what is peace i mean peace without justice is no peace at all so i mean yeah. when when justice is made central to any kind of whether it's protest whether it's even the idea of peace and compassion you know justice has been kept as a as something for social activists for media for the lawmakers we don't in our education it's not taught to us as a fundamental value and i think once we start doing that maybe we will be more sensitive to these issues and it's interesting how during the covid these issues have hit your face and in fact Seriously. the reason we started this whole series was we are promoting the united nation universal declaration of human rights and like you very rightly said awareness and getting in engaging in dialogue and what can be done about it so you know like you said change begins with us and what can we do i mean all of so, us we just have to do the best we can and i think what we can is more than what we are doing so we just have to all just stretch ourselves more and yeah and talk more about it till actually things change till then it's okay to be repeating ourselves right so we might have to repeat ourselves now but <laughs> even so what are the major issues facing the country today regarding the right to no discrimination i mean where does one begin it's at every level the normalization of discrimination is what's scary right i mean discrimination is happening on the basis of religion it's happening on the basis of gender it's happening on the basis of sexual preference region language people speak even english i mean english itself is such a divider we were colonized for 200 years and that's where many of us have been fortunate to maybe you know study in schools that give us good education but with that also comes this huge divide because english becomes our almost like our first language 
and there are many indians who don't speak english and therefore lose their confidence or don't get the right jobs or are not respected enough so there is no end to discrimination and of course dalit issue is one of the biggest forms of discrimination that we don't even talk about so i think to answer your question it's so tough to say that it because it's so omnipresent and it's so like i said hidden in plain sight it's not even hidden it's like out there and it's kind of got a sense of legitimacy almost the fact that women in workforce are decreasing the fact that you know our sex ratio is dropping there are fewer women for every 1000 men or that the dowry even though we have a great law for let's say dowry um, crimes it's still happening so or domestic violence is surging so whether you take in any issue whether it's gender whether it's religion uh, whether it is uh, you know sexual preference i've also been connected to a lot of lgbtq issues uh, thanks to fire my first film that i acted in which kind of opened my eyes to the kind of othering that we do and so in every issue if you slice it uh, and you see that it's it's discrim- discrimination all the way and the disadvantaged are disadvantaged all the way even in this covid-19 uh, while the virus itself is quite agnostic and it's you know it can grab anybody that it wants to the the reality is that the privileged are so much more safe than uh, the men women and children who had to walk miles to go back to their homes i mean first time we realized that the migrant workers as a category but migrant workers are the ones who make up a city and yet we actually never talked about it we didn't really talk about daily wages even within the migrant workers the stories that have come out of the dalit workers have been far worse than even others because even when they go back to the village how there is a segregation and how they are treated is completely different so unfortunately this country is ridden with various forms of discrimination yes it's true and the world is <laughs> but well, this yeah. country too yes yeah. the world is and but we all some have some more our... than the others and we are definitely in the category of more yeah because you have more of a different number of categories the other places don't have these categories if we yeah. had these categories we'd also discriminate Absolutely. against Absolutely we are like Europe i mean i say india is a continent but you know we the fact that we could even come together as a country is a miracle you know yeah. the, the, i mean how close is nagaland to kerala or to kashmir to karnataka or you know the kutch uh, to bengal or whatever i mean we are so diverse and we could have made this really our strength and shina will tell you that as children we always heard this phrase you know unity in diversity and uh, and we kind of thought it was a bit of a cliche almost it was almost boring to be talking about it but it's so fundamental if we are to be one people and if it's going to be one it is one country then we have to learn to you know be more just and be more respectful and truly come together one of the problems as humans we have is that we live in these little kind of 70 year time spans and so we forget that oh there is change that is occurring if you take it in 50 or 100 year lumps every step of that 
change has been achieved by education. Right. You know, Nandita, beautiful story that I actually had a privilege to experience myself because I went to that village in a in a girls' school, Pardada Pardadi, in a village in Uttar Pradesh. There was now absolutely no distinction based on caste. There were a lot of Dalits there, and uh, the girls were not allowed to go to schools. And because of a change put in over there, the girls are allowed to go to school, and they start every day by chanting their human rights in the assembly. And because of this, they know their rights better mm-hmm. than their timetables, and their lives have been transformed. The majority of girls there go to out-of-state universities, and they. getting no, there job. are there are i mean there are lots of amazing examples too of individuals of organizations this is not to generalize i mean after all society is also made up of individuals and there are some amazing people doing absolutely phenomenal work on the ground sometimes even away from the media light and you know then they we don't even know of many such cases like the one you shared so there are but how do we kind of mainstream it you know even education if education was the only good great thing and i'm all for education of course today we are what we are also because of our education but the point is how do we bring in empathy and compassion and justice and all of that central to our education because if there is sex discrimination happening and let's say female feticide and female infanticide is increasing or dowry deaths and dowry killings are happening these are not the poor or the underprivileged these are in fact the middle class and the upper middle class and all of these those who know about sex determination those who can afford sonography are the ones doing it so the educated class is also uh, very much complicit in many crimes in perpetuating many forms of oppression so i think education definitely is important but also value education what kind of education exactly you know, that too is important actually what you just said hit the nail because value education if say human rights education became mandatory in schools absolutely school, i think that is extremely important and it needs to and we need to fight for it we need to really push that agenda that human rights education must be something because children i mean i have a 9 year old child and they are so instinctively egalitarian and you know full of sense of justice and compassion and they don't even understand these discriminations like i talk to my son about a lot of things and even after my short film listen to her when we were talking about it and i said you know it's it's crazy how skewed it is and how women are you know so differently treated in today's day and age and he turned around and he said what do you mean today's day and age even then why was it acceptable and i realized that i am also so deeply conditioned that at some level i'm forgiving the historical wrong by saying okay it was that time you know they didn't know any better but we do mm-hmm. but the point is it's 9 year old child is asking the right questions by saying why was it even acceptable then how did we even reach here that's not the point but why was why did it happen even at that time and probably because people let it slide that we are here today So well, they, they used to be called natural rights. If you go back <laughs> a thousand years ago, right the, before it was human rights, because mm-hmm. it, this is natural behavior. The Supreme Court of India said a large section of Indian society still regards a section of their own countrymen as inferior. This mental attitude is simply unacceptable in the modern age, and it is one of the main causes holding up the country's progress. the creation of a casteless society is the ultimate aim we conclude with a sincere hope that one day would come as expected by the framers of the constitution when only one class of human exist 
equal in all respects and no caste system or classes exist. All citizens are free and become equal as per constitutional goals. Thanks, Sheena. That's the Supreme Court laying out clearly that considering lower castes as inferior is an unacceptable mental attitude. Nandita, why is it important people are aware of and accept this right? It's important because it impacts their lives. It impacts the world they're living in. If I want a greener world, I've got to be part of that change, right? If I want an egalitarian, unless we say, unless we say that we just don't want an egalitarian, we are fine with a stratified life where I want to be on the top end of it, you know, so because human rights are something so fundamental to our being. And uh, if we care about our rights, our freedom, our opportunities, how can we not care about other people's rights and opportunities and freedom? So I think it's, it's a very fundamental value that I feel that all of us must have within ourselves. If people were truly aware that there's no difference between the castes, if they were aware the ideas they've been given about the differences between the castes are simply based on groups trying to maintain their own power, not based on scientific truth, caste would disappear. And disappear it should. It's easy sitting in Mumbai to think that this isn't a problem. But that's a bubble to burst, as Nandita said. You know, the national campaign on Dalit rights has so many heartbreaking stories and statistics that just rub your nose in this issue. Like the female Dalit auto rickshaw driver, Chitralikha, for example, in Kerala, she was kicked out of her job. She had her auto set on fire. She was beaten. A gunda really was sent to kill her and her husband was falsely imprisoned for murder, all because upper caste auto drivers objected to her driving and also due to discrimination against her gender and caste because she was a Dalit. Crazy. Chitralikha is seriously a freedom fighter. Let's look at what the doctor of economics and the first law minister of India, B.R. Ambedkar, said. I quote, the castes are anti-national in the first place because they bring about separation in social life. They are anti-national also because they generate jealousy and dislike between caste and caste. But we must overcome all these difficulties if we wish to become a nation in reality. Caste is an idea. It is a state of mind. The destruction of caste does not therefore mean the destruction of a physical barrier. It means a change of belief. He's a powerful guy. He knows exactly what he's talking about because he experienced it. And Mahatma Gandhi said, I quote, to say that a single human being because of his birth becomes an untouchable, unapproachable or invisible is to deny God. Our struggle does not end so long as there is a single human being considered untouchable on account of his birth. Thanks, Sheena. That's so powerful. Nandita, do you have any stories that illustrate the importance of don't discriminate? I mean, this whole color bias campaign that Sheena talked about, you know, I've been supporting this campaign called Dark is Beautiful since 2013. And when they came to me, I thought, does it really require a standalone attention? I mean, women are going through so many other issues and which seems so much bigger than this one. And I was so wrong because the minute I supported it and it suddenly started getting going viral because by default, I became the face of it. Most actors, especially female actors, have become lighter and lighter with every film. And I started realizing that just the color of your skin that you're born into has become such a huge impediment. And the way it was attacking a sense of self for so many women and men where they just 
didn't find, you know, a sense of self-worth. And I was literally bombarded. Like I, I'm at an airport. I go to a friend's place. I'm walking on the street. Literally, people stop me and say, thank you for, you know, doing this campaign because I feel better about myself. And when I was asked in 2019 to revamp this campaign, the organization said, could you do something? It's our 10th anniversary because they had started in 2009. And I said, okay, this whole burden on women about being beautiful anyway is too, too much. And why should we keep reinforcing this idea of dark? Again, in the spirit of celebrating diversity, I revamped it to calling it India's Got Color. That, you know, every color must be celebrated, whether it's of the skin or metaphorically of religion, caste, whatever, what have you. And in that, I, I realized that so many people, so many women have actually not even attempted things in their lives because they thought they will never make it. You know, little girls who do not participate in a play because they think they will never get the main part. You know, women who have not worn any color, like they, I know this lady, she was a writer and she came into my house wearing this pink, bright fuchsia scarf and was so bright that I had to kind of comment. I was like, wow, that's a bright scarf. And she said, all my life I wore brown and gray because every lighter color that I wore, people would say, oh, then you, your face is so contrasting because you're so dark. Every dark color I wore, they said, oh, this is making you even more dark. I just didn't know what color to wear. She said, so for 30 years in my life, I just wore browns and grays. And now I'm wearing every color with a vengeance. So I mean, right. from women wanting to commit suicide to women resisting and protesting that in the best way they can. So I do feel that there is merit in sharing stories. There is merit in talking about these things. And especially that's what art can do. You know, art doesn't create revolutions. But when I say art, I mean cinema, art, theater, music, all of this. It it can challenge notions and prejudices. It can spark new ideas. It can ask difficult questions. It can create empathy. And I think through all of that, very gradually, it can add to the larger uh, shift that we are talking about, whether you know it's an individual shift or whether it's a collective shift. It forms the culture. Yeah. Well... Nandita, we've tested your story skills. Now we're going to test you on speed. Rapid fire round, start. What image first comes to your mind when you think of don't discriminate? A big cross, like a, you cut it out, you know, just like an X, like a big X. <laughs> Great. Okay, lovely. Who is your human rights hero and why? Ooh, that's tough. Well, in this context, I would say Ambedkar. I mean, since then, there's really no, not been that l kind of a leader who talked about all of these issues. Totally true. Who's the most accepting person you know, and what's it like being around them? Yeah, I'm fortunate to know a few who are not as marred by prejudice and discrimination as many are. And it's they just embrace people. They're just non-judgmental and... You know, just they live better lives and they spread that goodness, that sense of peace and justice around them. Lovely. Okay, end of rapid fire. So Nandita, last question from me. Do you have a message of hope for our listeners in these difficult days? I'm an optimist. I'm an absolute optimist, even though I might have, you know, given a picture of doom and one feels overwhelmed by all the issues. I do believe that each drop counts. So I think... The hope is that let's just get more aware. 
there is enough information out there let's let's really you know listen to the right voices and do the best we can thank you awesome. and what well that was her last question what would the future be like if this right was 100% followed wow it would look like what in my mind is heaven exactly i love it wow 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 <laughs> it's like taking a walk in an essay by ambedkar or sitting you know there at one of gandhi's rallies it's it's martha luther king's i have a dream and right. i'm dreaming it with you too nandita but, but there's like, you know there's dream. a lovely song that shailendra who was actually who very late in life came out as a dalit he has written some beautiful songs for hindi films this song i don't know if it's in a film but it's called agar kahi hai swarg to utar la zameen par तो जिंदा है तो जिंदगी की जीत में यकीन कर अगर कहीं है स्वर्ग तो उतार ला जमीन पर इफ यू इफ यू बिलीव इन लाइफ देन यू नो हाउडीट and i'm dreaming it with you too nandita but like <laughs> every you. dream this one has to also come to an end and it's time to wake up Absolutely. and i truly feel that i have woken up in this conversation with you nandita mm-hmm. and i hope that those listening at homes have too and i think just to kind of we uh, bring all will wake each other up we need each other because all of us are ridden with various forms of prejudices none of us are really above it completely we may be not prejudiced about something but about something else so i think we all need each other to uh, you know get into the state of awakening yeah and and the favorite part of you suggesting that how human rights should be made mandatory and it should be brought Absolutely. into the curriculum i mean one one story of this actually being which i came across which shows changing models of villages across the country is where an organization in bihar is educating thousands of dalits nandita about their rights to realize their worth and equipping them to fight for equal opportunities and their rights now, but this we those who are from change. the other upper caste so to say quote unquote who are privileged we also need education you know we need to also yes. understand how hierarchical how discriminatory how unjust the society is so yes. we need as much as the dalits do so education is the start yeah so <laughs> education is the start of this change and thank you so yeah, much for run. being on our thank show you. Um, thank you thank you so much nandita thank you sheena i'd like to end by letting you know united for human rights provides free online human rights courses as well as delivers free curriculums to any school or university in the world please go to humanrights.com and start a course and tell any school or university you know to order their free curriculum it's been so inspiring to hear nandita's stories but now we want to hear yours please record a maximum 90 second video with stories of your points of view struggles and successes to do with don't discriminate and we'll upload them on our youtube channel and send us your don't discriminate artworks drawings poems paintings etc we're running a contest to show our favorite chosen stories and artworks on the screen at the united nations in new york next year email your videos and art to fraser@humanrights.com that's f r a s e r at the rate humanrights.com lastly if you want to help spread awareness of basic rights and equality get in touch we need all the help we can get 
Thank you again, Nandita Das, for your inspiring words. Take care, stay safe. Human rights define the word equality. If we don't respect and love each other, we're just living a lie. Because united starts with you and I, you feel me? ओरिजिनल को सुनने के लिए आपका शुक्रिया अगर आप भी अपना पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करना चाहते हैं तो हब हॉपर स्टूडियो वेबसाइट पे रजिस्टर करें और एक मिनट के अंदर अंदर अपना खुद का पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करें यही नहीं स्टूडियो देता है आपको पूरी आजादी कहीं भी कभी भी अपना पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करने की सिर्फ तीन आसान स्टेप्स में तो साथ में अपना पॉडकास्ट शुरू करने के लिए तैयार जस्ट हॉप ऑन हब हॉपर सिंपली कॉन्टेंट